All right. So this is episode three um, called a language um, and education. Um, so let's start with our affirmation. I am creative. I am beautiful. I am wonderful. I am me. Um, I am trustful, um, trustworthy, and I am, I trust myself. I am loved. I am loving. Um, we're going to have a good episode, um, a good, um, podcast, podcast session. Ooh, I'm stuttering and stuff. All right. Um, I feel like the previous episode, I focused on literacy and what literacy means. So I figured that instead of having literacy and language be one episode, I was going to break them apart, um, which makes sense because even though one, um, they connect, they do have differences. And so um, this episode is going to focus on language and the beauty of language, the, the existence of language, and just overall how language is used in, um, in basically the human condition and our experiences. And so I'm going to start here um, to define, just like I define literacy as meaning making, language is communicating. Um, and that is a very broad definition of language because of how I believe language is the, the epitome of how we communicate. There is body language. There is, um, you know, nonverbal social cues that we can um, kind of tap into, which fall under culture, right? Um, culturally, when I look at someone in the eye, um, specifically in my culture, um, I'm being respectful. I'm attentive of what they're, um, what they're saying to me. And I, um, am, I'm focusing on what they're saying to me. Right. So that's nonverbal. Then there's verbal communication, which, um, for all intensive purposes would fall under communication. And then there's this, um, criminalization of language that, um, you know, through my education, through the things that I've learned, um, you can see whether that is you speak a derivative of a particular language. And I say derivative because I believe that all language is language rather than the um, term of dialect. I don't like that term. I feel like it makes it seem like very similar to um, the the word of subgroup. Um, no, we are a group. That is what we are. We speak the way we speak. We communicate the way we communicate and the way we communicate matters. Right. Um, I believe that I'm going to do a short clip, um, eventually to recite some of my poems. Uh, one of the, the, one of the major poems that I'm very proud of is, um, my Spanglish. And that one is really near and dear to my heart. I've recited that in front of my previous school. I've recited that to, um, you know, my peers. I've created a digital um, uh, literacy um, video for it. And so essentially, I just want to focus on language and the beauty of it. And so, of course, 
as multilingual genius um, came came about and it was created, it's the idea that someone who is multilingual has genius within them. And, you know, cognitively, the way we learn, the way our brains are um, function is very different than someone who is monolingual. And so um, I'm also learning that we, um, there's very few people that are, you know, considered um, monolingual because when we take into consideration that language, um, all language is communication, then you would know that AAVE, um, um, African-American um, vernacular, um, or, you know, Black English, right, um, is a language. It has its social cues. It has its nuances. It has its reality, right? And um, growing up in the South Bronx, like, you spoke a specific way. You spoke, um, and especially if you grew up in a Black and brown neighborhood, you, you knew what I'm going to quote as um, ebonics or slang, right? Again, don't like those terms, but there isn't, and I, I, of course, if anyone knows of larger vocabulary that can pinpoint these particular um, languages, then it's communication and it's language. And so um, when we talk about language as communication, it opens your mind to the realization that um, when we speak, whether we're speaking um, formal, formal English, which is actually not even a thing, if you act, if if you knew that English um, is a meshing of other languages, um, and it, it doesn't have, it does have some set rules when it comes to how we pronounce things. Um, but as a bilingual or multilingual person, you are open to the idea of other languages, right? And um, as I'm teaching my students um, my college-level course in Foundations of Bilingual, um, I share out some videos and, and I start to realize how um, our brains are functioned to associate what we already know with what we're learning. And so we can place a phrase that is not um, a native or a proficient language that we know, but we can decipher or pick out specific words or specific letters that can mean um, something in the native language that we know or the, the foundational language that we know. Um, what I find even more interesting is how language is used to literally harm and oppress individuals um, for, especially in the United States. You know, I, I feel that we are in a turning point in our um, society. I wish it was happening faster. I don't think it's happening fast enough where we start to see that bilingualism and multilingualism as a, as a, person who knows more than one language is a um, asset rather than a deficit. You know, when we start to see the globalization of the United States and how globally 
I'm able to speak to um, a larger amount of population, a larger amount of people in communication with um, outside of the United States, within the, um, within the um, United States, you know, I pride myself in knowing that I can walk in any neighborhood of, of the Bronx and feel like I'm home, you know, and that's to say that language varies through um, culture, it varies through, um, you know, meshing of cultures, it varies um, within immigration, um, and it varies within specific countries, right? Um, we know that especially, especially the Latinx community, um, we're kind of meshed up into this, um, you know, what uh, quote unquote, we consider Spanish speaking, um, individuals when in reality, the Latinx community is larger than that. And, I started to figure out as someone who is not only multi-literate, um, but multi-cultural, um, that, you know, my father is Guatemalan, my mom is Dominican, um, that even within Spanish, you start to notice the different um, words that are used for a particular item or a particular concept, right? It, it's not all the same. That varies within the Caribbean, that varies within any, um, you know, uh, language that of countries that have been um, colonized by um, the British and um, the Spaniards, right? And I say this to say that, you know, English, the English that we speak is not for completely a um, language that the British speak, that we know that, right? Um, just similar, like the Spanish that Dominicans speak and the Spanish that Guatemalians speak are not, is not the Spanish that Spaniards in Spain speak. That's not to say that those languages don't matter. That's not to say that those languages um, aren't languages within themselves. But that's to say that they are different, right? That's to say that they are different. And when you believe that, then you start to notice that Patois, um, Haitian Creole, um, um, Honduran um, Garifuna, these are all languages, beautiful languages that essentially our students come with. And when you start to realize as a language um, literate person that they have beauty in it, there is um, communication happening. It may not be the communication that you as the educator may know or understand. And that doesn't make that student any less than. It actually provides you a tool um, to know that you as the educator don't... Like when you start to realize that you don't know everything, you start to then learn um, that that you really are an educator that knows nothing at all. Um, you may be um, proficient in your content. You may be someone who knows how to um, teach well, but you don't know everything when it comes to entering a classroom, especially in the demographic 
in which we are located in the um in New York, right? Um as someone who comes into a classroom and I've learned these um languages, the you know, I didn't know what Garifuna was until I became a bilingual teacher. And um I then started to pick at how um parts of Honduras and parts of Guatemala um captivate this language and how beautiful it is that they know the native language of the land, right? Um, I started to read a book. I'm going to um, reference it eventually um, in a later podcast um, session, an episode, um, where I learned the linguistics of um, the Caribbean. And that opened my eyes to how wonderful and diverse and complex um, language is and where it derives from. And oftentimes we start to feel like, um, and I know I can apply it to Spanish, the Spanish that my mom speaks, the Spanish that I speak when I'm with my Dominican cousins, is always felt like, you know, we drop the S in certain things. Or we drop, um, we drop letters when we're speaking, right? And a lot of Spanish-speaking individuals look down on that, and they start to say that it's because you're lazy. But the reality actually is, it's not that you're lazy. It's coming from somewhere. And when you start to apply what I know about the Caribbean, is that we needed to communicate with one another, given. Um, the background of um, the enslaved, and I don't, I don't say slavery. I say the enslaved. Right? This is something that happened to people. This isn't something that they are. They are not slaves. They are enslaved, and so they needed to communicate um, as fast as possible. And so, of course, there's going to be shortcuts. There are going to be words that are. Um, intuitively known, so you don't have to say them. And so that actually um, also happens when you're reading, right? There's certain words like a, the, um, a and the, and as, that it's already known, so you don't have to say it, right? And so when your brain is comprehending or reading, it doesn't need or omits those words, it's actually, that's pointing to the intelligence of the human brain. It is pointing to the intelligence of what you have and you're working with what you have. Um, so when I talk about language, that's what I mean by how um, multilingual is genius. And again, I referenced this in the first episode. I'm going to say it again. Um, Goldie Muhammad, beautiful author, loved the book apply it to everything I'm teaching, in, especially as a math math and science teacher. Um, but it's finding genius in how, um, in, in what most people don't see it as such. And noticing that it's not actually a deficit to know more than one language. Just because, you know, in, and just uh, as a history lesson, back in the 60s, to know another language outside of the English, um, uh, outside of English, you were deemed um, special needs. 
you were deemed, um, you were looked at as a deficit. And again, we talk about the United States educational system being um, so um, deeply rooted in upholding white supremacist um, ideology, heteronormative ideology. And when you start to understand, like basically if you are not white, male, and um, heterosexual that identifies as a man or male, then you fall short of what any system in the United States um, deems as the cookie cutter perfect person. And so you start to realize that also falls under language in the United States. Um, if you do not speak a specific English, a standard, or I'm putting that in quotes, standard English, then you fall short of what the U.S. Um, educational system wants you to be. And that's also to say, like, and I'm going to code switch for a second. Yo creo que eso es mierda. Y honestamente, como una persona que habla inglés, español, um, tirado, um, I speak my Spanglish, um, y cuando, cuando lo hablo, yo siempre lo hablo con alguien que yo sé que lo va a entender in los dos idiomas. That's genius. Knowing that I can switch out and I can speak Spanglish to specific people because I know that they know Spanish and that they know English and that they're going to understand my communication in both ways. I do this often and a lot with my sister, with my cousins, um, with, I'm going to say sister cousins, that's not a thing, but in Spanish it is a thing, um, prima hermana. And I said that in the last episode, but basically this is to say that, you know, um, my human brain can do that because I can associate and connect to that person on a personal level. And I do that even with, um, you know, with teachers that I know can speak both languages. I also do that with my black, my black folks, like me born and raised in the Bronx, like there's there's words that I say to my kids that I know they're going to understand. Just like I know that there's going to be um, language, especially, and, and of course, comfortability is also a thing, right? I fall under this idea where, like, whenever there is Black and brown folks, I'm the most comfortable. It's just the reality of it, especially because if we, and this is going to be another episode, um, when we consider redlining and segregation as still a thing, you start to notice that, like, you know, we still have fear of the other. And as someone who has grown up majority with black and brown folks, um, and, you know, shout out to my uh, one white friend, Bianca, but it's realizing that, you know, you start to really speak outside of yourself. Um, and language, um, no matter how much people try to negate the fact that the way you speak is not what is 
quote unquote the standard, it is still a language, okay? Because you are communicating with a specific group. This also means that if it's not for you, then it's not for you, right? Me speaking Spanish in front of somebody that only speaks English because I have somebody, or you walked into a conversation that I'm only speaking Spanish and you feel away, well, keep feeling away because that conversation that I'm having with this other Spanish speaking person is not for you. That's simple. And that also doesn't mean that I'm talking about you. Like, and I, and I find that a lot with, um, my, my, uh, coworkers who are white, they have a tendency to feel like, oh, the kids cannot speak Spanish, um, around me because I feel like they're talking about me again. It's not all about you. I promise you. They're probably talking about Fortnite and YouTube and not about you. I promise you that. And you start to realize that, like, you know, let them talk with whatever conversation, whatever, um, you know, we talk about oral language being something that is so important for our um, English as a new language learners, right? Um, English as a uh, language learners. Why don't we allow them to do that? Again, it comes from a, a state of fear. And again, it's structural and systemic in the sense that, again, if you do not speak the standard English in a classroom, then something's wrong. And I've noticed that I don't speak standard English to my students. I'm them in New York City. So yes, of course, I expect them to um, read and write but I also need some that need them to know that the way that they talk, their language matters and that they, that them communicating amongst themselves is needed and it is important. That is how we create ideas, that is how we create um learning, that is how we understand one another. That's how we socialize. And so that is my long overdue rant about language. Um Interesting enough, I'm passing this Toyota dealership and the big sign with all the flags says we speak your language. I hope so, but um, that's to deviate from, you know, me ranting for 25 minutes now. Well, actually 22, but you know, who, who, um, we had a little like, you know, when you start an engine, like uh, you start an engine and it's like, I was stuttering at first. I am a naturally nervous person, and I know that um, that's another episode um, for another time. But that is my long and drawn-out spiel on language, and I hate using that word. That that sounds funny in my mouth. Um, <laughs> so, again, I hope that you enjoy these little rants that I go through during my um, commute home. And it's interesting, I, as someone whose brain associates everything to poetry and going back um, to just like how I play with language um, and how I decipher things, I think that it's a wonderful thing that you are all kind of joining me in my commute home. It's like you're all coming home. <laughs> um, there's a pun in there somewhere. Um, thank you for listening. Continue to listen. Um, please subscribe to the Spotify um, link. Please tell your friends to start listening. Um, I want to, I really want to make this a thing um, because I think that I talk a numerous amount to the people that I really, really am close to. And um, 
I find myself feeling like an audience that really feels the same is important, especially during um, this time. I will talk about in terms of like my ups and downs through the pandemic um, that I don't really talk about um, to many people. Actually, probably only spoken to like two people, which is like my sister, my, oh, three people, um, my, my boyfriend and my, my mom. And that's about it. And, you know, as someone who is very introverted and very like private, um, and I wasn't always like that. I realized that, you know, talking through these things and kind of making them out in the open is really important for, you know, for, to, to relate to one another, to relate to the existence of who we are. And again, language is one of those foundational things that literally you can communicate. I love you. I care about you. Um, I need you in this world. Um, thank you for listening. Bye.